Anyone have peace? My soul longs for rest, but most days I feel more like an unwanted guest, starring in my own life, starting to feel like it's hopeless. Where is my peace? Because I've looked high and low, and I know it's supposed to be there. This thing that I can stow in my heart, a light to let glow when I need it the most, I wonder if I can truly ever have peace. Chaos never seems to cease. Darkness reigns. Even on the brightest days, I feel it in my bones. This groan of iniquity, like stones have been fixed to me. Hunger drains, and I can't fix it just by eating. It's like my heart is beating to the beat of a song I don't want to be singing. Anger stains. It's left a mark on my face. There's no space left for grace. It's every man for himself. So where is peace? Look at the world around. Hate abounds. It's been cemented into the ground. My soul is bound, and the hope I once found has been drowned out by the sounds of the screams of life. Can you even hear the sound of peace? I thought I did, but amid the chaos, I don't hear it anymore. I heard the bells on Christmas Day their old familiar carols play and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth goodwill to men and the bells are ringing like a choir they're singing In my heart I hear them Peace on earth Goodwill to men And in despair I bowed my head There is no peace on earth I said For hate is strong and mocks the song a peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the bells are ringing like a choir singing. Does anybody hear them? Peace on earth, goodwill. 
Then ring the bells more loud and deep God is not dead, nor does he Singing on its way The world revolved from night to day A voice, a chime, a chant sublime Of peace on earth, goodwill to men something we all long for, right? We just heard it in the song that we sang. We actually sing it in the most famous Christmas song of all time, Silent Night. And peace has been the theme of our entire Christmas season here at Element Church. It'll be our theme for today as well. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. Just so thrilled that you've chosen to spend some time celebrating Christmas with us today. If you're joining us on video sometime uh, later this week, uh, also glad that you are with us. Uh, while you're not here in person, you're a part of our family as well. For the rest of our time together, we're going to weave the story of peace and silent night through preaching, through songs, and through spoken word. No doubt There'll be millions of people who sing the song Silent Night today as they celebrate Christmas Eve as well. The reality is, though, we sing that song without understanding the absurdity of its words. I mean, just at least the first verse. Let me, let me tell it to you. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. You realize we're singing about the birth of a child placed in a manger, right? There's nothing calm about birthing a child. Can I get an amen from the moms in the room today? Set aside the pain and agony that the mother goes through. I've heard horror stories of, of men passing out or throwing up in the delivery room. Clearly, a mother did not write that song. 
So my, my wife and I, we have four kids. And for our first child, Sabrina was in hard labor for hours. It seemed like she was pushing for an eternity. Her mom was in the room with us, along with an all-female nursing staff and all, uh, a female doctor as well. And I know I'm giving you way more information than you want to know, especially at Christmas Eve, but hang with me for a second. Uh, the doctor had her mom and I help out with the process by having each of us hold a leg on either side of her, and then each of us put an arm behind my wife to kind of support her through her labor. And I had been holding up that leg for a long time, coaching her through every set of contractions when all of a sudden this thought entered the back of my head. The thought was, this is taking forever, and my arm really hurts. That's when I was once again reminded that I, along with most men on the planet, do not have a great filter between thoughts in the back of our head and the words that come out of our mouth because I actually got my wife's attention in the middle of labor and told her that thought in the back of my head. I looked my beautiful wife in the eyes and I told her, man, babe, I showed her my arm as if it mattered, my arm really hurts like calm and bright, did not describe the look my wife or any woman in that room gave me in that moment. And listen, that chaos, that, that unrest and, and lack of peace was in the middle of a delivery room with all of the modern amenities, accommodations, technology, and medicine. So can you, can, can you imagine what it must have been like for Mary on the very first Christmas? I doubt she would describe it as calm or bright. Not only were Mary and Joseph having a child in some sort of facility meant to house and feed animals, that's why they placed Jesus in a manger, most likely they walked to Bethlehem on foot, or at the very least, they, they rode a donkey, which would be hard enough if you were not pregnant. But the Bible tells us that Mary was great with child. That's the politically correct way of saying girlfriend was huge. Like she was full on, she was full on pregnant, right? On top of all that, if that weren't enough, Mary and, and Joseph were not married and they were pregnant. But they were telling everyone else that they had never, keep it safe for the younger ones, they had never made it official, if you know what I'm saying, right? And so most likely they would have been ridiculed, maybe even rejected by their family and friends for apparently getting pregnant outside of wedlock, which would not have been acceptable at the time. So at the time of the birth of Jesus, everything in their world was anything but calm. It was anything but peace. And then you have the line, holy infant, so tender and mild. Have you ever seen an infant tender or mild? Like I know your kid, your grandkid, they are perfect, I get it. But holy buckets, when a kid first is born, the, the, the first thing they do is scream and they don't stop screaming for like 16 years, right? And then we sing, sleep in heavenly peace, come on. No one sleeps in heavenly peace when an infant is in the home, right? I hope I'm not ruining this whole song for you. I am right now, I know. It got me thinking, though, how we often do the same thing with our own lives. We write a, a different lyric from reality. Because some of us in this room today, if you were to honestly describe your lives, they are anything but peace. Relationship upheaval, job upheaval, family upheaval, health upheaval, financial upheaval, whatever it is, you name it, chaos rules the day. But when someone asks you how you're doing, 
we say things like, good, good, I'm busy, but I'm good. If we're Christians, we just throw the word God in the mix. Good, good, God is good. And I get it. Like we, we can't tell everyone everything going on in our lives, and God is good. But life sucks sometimes. And it's okay for us to say it. And that's actually where I think Jesus steps into the picture. The reality is that just because our circumstances are out of control doesn't mean our souls have to be. Amen, church? That's really why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to bring peace to the earth as much as he came to bring peace in us while we are on the earth. In John chapter 14, Jesus warns his disciples, ultimately he's warning us as well of the trouble and hardship and persecution that will come our way as we follow Jesus. Things that were definitely not peaceful on the outside, but on the inside he was offering us and them a gift of peace. John 14, 27, Jesus recorded saying this, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Listen, the peace that God wants us to have is not the absence of problems. It's his presence in the midst of them. It's peace of mind and and heart. And this peace cannot be found in any place. It's not gained by any possession. This peace is only found in the arrival of Jesus in our hearts. So I want us to understand that we may never see peace on earth, but while we are on the earth because of Jesus, we can have peace in our hearts. Okay, I get it. Like, even when peace isn't inside, I have it in here, right? The problem is, it's not the only one in there putting up a fight. The light that it brings may have might, but night is oftentimes bigger, darker. The shadows cast farther. Maybe I don't get it. You see, fear is here. And I hear it clearer than the thumping of my heart. It's the breath in my lungs. It's sung through my tongue. It's controlling me. The fear is more, more than I can handle, more than I believe. It's a storm I've weaved out of preconceived ideas that seem to bury me wave after wave. I, I don't get it. Fear never ends. You can pretend or maybe suspend it, but I've never escaped. Fear is everywhere. Said the night wind to the little lamb Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb Do you see what I see? A star, a star Dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite. 
said the little lamb to the shepherd boy do you hear what i hear ringing through the sky shepherd boy do you hear what i hear a song a song high above the trees with a voice as big as the sea with a voice as big as the sea Listen to what I say 
listen to what I say. Listen to what I say. I didn't know this, but when Noel Rainey and Gloria Baker originally wrote the song, Do You Hear What I Hear, in 1962, it was written in response to the overwhelming fear and dread that people in our nation felt during the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Cold War. In fact, the line, a star, a star dancing in the night, is meant to evoke in us the image of the star of Bethlehem. To the writers, though, they were also alluding to a nuclear missile in the sky. They once said that because of the fearful uh, mood of the nation at that time, it was hard for them to sing the song without crying. Our little song broke us up, they said, because people were so afraid. Wow. In the second verse of Silent Night, we see the fear of the shepherds as well when we sing shepherds quake at the sight. If you read the Christmas story in the Bible, the very first words of the angel to the shepherds were, do not be afraid. And yes, the angel said that because contrary to what we might want to believe, God's angels are not cute, chubby, precious moment figurines with diapers on and a harp, okay? God's angels are sword-wielding, muscle-bulging, mighty warriors in the heavenly realm. So there's a reason why the angel said, don't be afraid. But I think it goes deeper than just that. The times in which the shepherds lived were not all that different from the times in the Cold War, the times we find ourselves in today. Government corruption, wars all around, violence, racism, hatred, slavery, you name it. The world the shepherds lived in had it. It was a scary time to be alive. So when the angel said, don't be afraid, he was speaking to a much greater need than just that moment. When we think of all the do's and don'ts, the commands of the Bible, we typically think of the big ones, right? Like do not lie, do not steal, do not murder, do not root for the New England Patriots. The big ones like that. I'm just saying the big ones is all we're worried about, right? I promise you, one of these days I will find it in the original language and then you're all going to be shocked at my vast amount of knowledge. Joking aside, did you know the most frequently repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid? or variations of it, do not fear, fear not. In fact, 70 times in the New Testament alone, Matthew through Revelation, we are told, do not be afraid. Now the Bible doesn't say this because there's nothing frightening in the world, quite the contrary. I, I think God knows how many scary things there are in the world that we face. So when he included that in scripture, he was not saying there's nothing in this world that will, uh, that, that will you'll never experience in the, anything in the world that will cause fear. No, he was saying that there's, there's nothing in this world you can't overcome with me, so don't be afraid. On more than one occasion, Jesus found himself with the disciples in a boat, probably a little bit better boat than this one because this one would not float, but he found himself in a boat with the disciples in the middle of a storm while they were afraid. In Mark chapter 4, the disciples were in a boat with Jesus. A storm had, had risen up. We are told that waves were crashing over the side of the boat, and Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. He was literally taking a nap 
which is evidence for me that taking naps is a godly thing. Can I get an amen today? Everyone should get a nap today. So the disciples, they, they run back to Jesus and they wake him up shouting, Teacher, don't you even care we're going to drown? Which sounds a lot like us, by the way, when we go through storms. God, don't you even care about what I'm going through? Mark 4, 39 through 40 records this. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there's a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The song, Do You Hear What I Hear, we heard the words with a voice as big as the sea. You know what that made me think of? That it takes a voice as big as the sea to calm the raging seas in my life. And God can do that. God even does do that. There are times that God calms the storm. He calms the seas in our life, but that's not his most powerful force over our fears. In Matthew 14, the disciples once again found themselves in a boat out on the water in the middle of a storm. This time Jesus was not with them though, at least not yet anyway. The disciples were fighting against the wind. They were literally rowing for hours on end trying to get through this storm from one shore to another when Jesus literally comes walking to them on the water in the middle of a storm. This is super funny to me because the Bible tells us that Jesus actually intended to walk past them which if you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, look no further. It was almost like he was trying to pull a prank but got busted in the process. Like, I don't know what he did, maybe he called up heaven. was like, hey dad, gather everyone around. You're not gonna believe this. Like gather everyone, the angels and Moses and Elijah and even bring Noah. I know he let cats on the boat, but we've got to let it go, Father. Bring everybody, I'm gonna walk past them. They're gonna lose their minds. So Jesus comes walking intending to go past them on the water. The disciples, already terrified from the storm, now see Jesus, they think it's a ghost, and so they are losing their minds in the storm, terrified. Matthew 14, 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Notice, this time, he did not talk to the storm, he talked to the ones who were in the storm. He spoke to them. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Notice he did not say, don't be afraid. I'll make the storm stop. He did do that. That's not what he said. He didn't say, don't be afraid. I'll never let anything bad happen to you. That would be the opposite of what we've already looked at where he told the disciples and us that there are troubles and hardships and persecutions coming your way as you follow me. He didn't say, hey guys, don't be afraid. All of this, it's an illusion. He said, don't be afraid. Why? Because I am here. Listen to me, he said, not the storm. Said the king to the people everywhere. Listen to what I say. And friends, Jesus is our king. So lead the way, O king. We're listening for you. 
And what I believe our King Jesus is saying to so many of us today is this, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. That you might be in a boat in the middle of the storm of life. And yes, he might calm the storm. But even if he doesn't, you don't have to live in fear because our king has come and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That church, Jesus right now is here. He's here. That's ultimately what the angel told the shepherds. Don't be afraid, shepherds. Jesus is here. Jesus has arrived. And with the arrival of Jesus came the destruction of fear. Not that there would never be anything in the world to cause fear. But now there is someone in the world who could overcome our fear. His name is Jesus is here. The statement is clear, and you seem sincere, but how do I make my decision? How do I persevere? You don't know how broken I am. You don't know how empty I am. You don't know how tired I am, how worried I am, how lost I feel. You don't know how real the pain is for me. Jesus is here. Well, then why don't I feel better? Why does my life feel more like a rejection letter? I've applied so many times. I've climbed and climbed and never reached the top. Am I supposed to do something different or get swept away by the current? Because currently, I don't feel like Jesus cares. Currently, I'm broken in need of repair. Currently, I'm tangled in lies. I'm not perfect in anyone's eyes. I've tried to keep up this guy's, and if I'm being honest, I'm tired of trying. Jesus is here. Okay. Now what? Love incarnate, love divine Star and angels gave the sign Bow to babe on bended knee, the Savior of humanity. Unto us a child is born, he shall reign
everlasting Lord. He shall reign forevermore. Come and see what God has done. Wow. Can you imagine what it must have been like that first Christmas? Like the angel's final word to the shepherds were, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth laying in a manger. And man, I think those shepherds left their fields and they booked it to Bethlehem. Wherever Mary and Joseph were, whether it was a stable or a barn or a cave, we're not certain. So wherever they were, we are certain. It was a place where animals were stored and fed. It was in that place that the shepherds came to see the Savior of the world as a baby. The Bible does not tell us what animals were present at the first nativity scene. Even in today's modern nativities, we take guesses. We have the common farm animals, donkeys, sheep, goats, cows. Then you have the occasional chicken. I've seen dogs, and now I even see Mickey Mouse. Disney's taking over the world. I've actually never noticed it until someone pointed it out to me recently. But there are two animals that are almost always in every traditional nativity scene. It's very significant as to why we include these two animals. It dates back to the 1400s. You see, there's a prophecy in the Old Testament found in the book of Isaiah about God's people. Isaiah 1 verse 3 says this, Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. This statement was made from God through the prophet Isaiah as an indictment towards the people of Israel. Ultimately, it's an an indictment against us as well. That that these animals, the ox and the donkey, with no intelligence or self-awareness at all, they do not reject the master they were born into or the one they were given to. Yet the people of the earth disregard theirs. And we pursue our own desires rather than the desires of our Creator. It's a profound truth, really, hidden in a seemingly insignificant verse that now has found its way into our nativity scenes. Two animals whose submission to their master is an accusation against us to ours. The ox knows its owner, do I? The donkey knows its master, do we? That's the question for Christmas. The final verse of Silent Night speaks to this idea of master or Lord. And it might be my favorite verse of all the ones we sing in Silent Night. Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God, love's pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Here it is. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. And it got me thinking again. 
that Jesus was not just Lord at his birth. Don't get me wrong. He was Lord of all creation, even as an infant. But Jesus was not just Lord at his birth, and he will not be just Lord at his return. Jesus is Lord today. Today he's Lord. And the great news is we are invited to come and see the Lord. The message of the angels to the shepherds was come and see the Lord. And the message to us today is come and see the Lord. Come and see what God has done. And what has God done? Well, with his birth, he brought the dawn of redeeming grace that every one of us, you and me included, we have all sinned. That sin separates us from a holy God. And God knew there was nothing we could do to bridge the gap between us and him that our sin created. That there is no amount of effort, no amount of money, no amount of hard work that can bridge the gap between me and God. So God came to me. And God came to you. That on that very first Christmas, because our God loved us so much, in the form of Jesus, God came as one of us. He would die because of us, but he would not stay dead, for he rose victorious so that any one of us could put our faith in him, be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, and eternal life with him forever in heaven. That, friends, is the message of Christmas. And that is what brings to us in our hearts a silent night. It brings peace. The only question is, have you acknowledged him as Lord of your life today? Make no mistake about it, he is Lord whether you acknowledge it or not. But have you acknowledged him as Lord? Have you, like the ox and the donkey, acknowledged your master and surrendered to him? Because of our sin, our souls live in unrest. But Jesus is the place we find rest. That in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of our fear, even in the midst of our sin, Jesus is our peace. And I don't know if you realize it, but for the very first time in our service, there's no extra sound. From the very start of our service until right now, we have intentionally built in sight and sound and even chaos at times. Because life offers all sorts of sound, does it not? That sound can direct us that sound can derail us. That sound can defeat us. It definitely distracts us. There's nothing wrong with sound. But what happens when it's gone? Like right here, in this silence, what do you feel? Have you seen what Christ has done? Have you made him your Lord? Have you, like the ox and the donkey, 
recognized your master's care. That he would care so much about you that he would actually come in the flesh to die the death that I deserve. In your heart, have you experienced a silent night? You might be here today and you thought you were just coming to a Christmas Eve service, but the Holy Spirit has been leaning into your heart. You can feel it. You feel this nudge, this draw. That's God saying, hey, I, I, want, I want you to believe in me. And so if you have never put your faith in Jesus, I can't think of a better place than right here and right now to do that. Because he did come for you. He died in your place. He rose from the dead so that anyone who puts their faith in him can be forgiven, given a new life today, and an eternal life with him forever in heaven. If you'd like to receive that gift of Christmas, you can do that right now. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you, if you want to put your faith in Jesus, I just want you to say this prayer with me. Just repeat it silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, here in this silence, I'm asking you to give me a silent night in my heart. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place and rising from the dead. So I give my life to you. I confess all my sins to you. Everything I've ever done, God, I confess it to you. Please forgive me. Wash me clean and make me new. I'm going to repent from the way I have lived. I'm going to turn and follow you in the new life you give me. Please be Lord in my heart. I want to, at the very least, be like the ox and the donkey who at least recognize who the master is. God, thanks for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back. Remind me, Lord, that you are my peace. In Jesus' name, amen. It's the fourth service of the day, and in every service we've had people surrender their lives to Jesus and I want to give you the chance to acknowledge that. Uh, you don't have to acknowledge it, but I think there's something powerful about publicly saying that you put your faith in Jesus. So it's a safe place to do that. I hope you understand that. You're surrounded by people who love you and who are with you. And we've made this decision already as well, many of us. So if you're here today and you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, would you do something very bold and just lift your hand up and leave it up? Say, yep, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? Lift your hand up right where you are. Awesome. Praise God. Amen. Amen. That's the element version of Christmas bells right there. Hey, if you just put your faith in Jesus, whether you raise your hand or not, we are thrilled for you. We really are. And we're actually told in Scripture that when one person repents of sin, all of heaven throws a party. So we're about ready to, to go home and celebrate Christmas, but on Christmas Eve, heaven's thrown a party for you. Isn't that cool? It's amazing to me. So cool. We'd love to help you out as well. So if you uh, put your faith in Jesus, please mark that on your connection card and then drop it off at guest services on your way out. We'd love to give you a next steps devotional. You can't do this alone. You just can't. I can't do it alone. So we wrote a devotional for you to kind of get you started in your walk with Christ, taking your next steps. Just ask for one at guest services. They're completely free and we'll give you one, no strings attached. I can't think of a better way to end our service 
than by singing the song that we've been referencing all, all day long, which is Silent Night. So I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come out, and uh, they're going to come out and lead us in this song. We're going to sing an a cappella tonight, no instruments, so kind of in the silence, we're going to use our voices only to sing what we've been talking about really all Christmas season, that Jesus came to bring us peace, that he is our silent night. So we're going to sing the first verse and the third verse. You can just stay in your seats, uh, stay seated, but the band's going to lead us in this song. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that Jesus was not just Lord at his birth, but he always has been, he always will be, and he is right now our Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, for coming in our place. That is the message of Christmas, that you came for us just the way we are. God, thanks for being an amazing God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this was the fourth service we've done. We have one more, but our band and production team has been nailing it all day long. Can we thank them today for all their hard work? Unbelievable. And I, I would ask you to say thank you to as many volunteers as you can on your way out today. Many of them served multiple services, four, even all five services. So say thank you to your eKids volunteers, your ushers and greeters, and your uh, parking volunteers. If you're new here, we'd love to see you in the living room before you go. If you need prayer for anything, stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium. Love to pray for anything going on in your life back there. There's a prayer team. And then don't forget, no church this Sunday. we be back regular service times on January 7th. Please take the card on your seat as a reminder, also as an invitation for someone to come. I love you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you next year.